Welcome to episode 243 on For the Love of Truth. In this interview, I'm speaking to Harold Coates-Vella. Now, Harold is a very interesting researcher, and I reached out to him recently in order to have a discussion because I wanted to get a much higher view, and I wanted access to the information, knowledge, and ideology that he has been working on for many years now. That was a very deep and in many ways a profound conversation for me to have with Harold, and we covered a variety of subjects. And before we get started and give you a list of the topics that we covered, if you like the information you hear in this discussion and you want to hear more from Harold, I have put a link in the description to a playlist someone else created so that you can get access to more content. And also, during the course of the discussion, Harold does mention uh, his website and suggests another website for some information on meditations to help with healing, and I'll put links to those in the description as well. Now, before we get into that as well, I would encourage you, if you're enjoying this kind of content, to pop across to fortheloveoftruth.co.uk and sign up for the weekly newsletter or at least bookmark the site just in case anything happens to the channel here on YouTube. This was a very broad conversation, and I'm going to give you an idea of some of the topics that we talked about now. Harold told me that his initial research was into chemtrails and contrails, and this led to the discovery of transhumanistic technologies linked to that. We talked about quantum dots, Morgellons, archons, AI and the links to that, black magic and dark forces, man's collective consciousness and the collective consciousness of the planet and black goo, and also extraterrestrial black goo. And then we talked about money and the gaming addiction that it is. And finally, we moved on to healing and our respective journey home. And he gave some indications of some ideas of processes that can help with that healing and letting go process. I do hope that you get something from this conversation. I really found it fascinating. And I'm looking forward so much to speaking to you in the next episode. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. So, Harold, thank you so much for taking time out of your evening. It's late there for you. I really appreciate you joining me. My pleasure. Good. Excellent. Um, um, I only came across your work recently, and I would really like to have a discussion with you um, about black goo and about AI. And obviously, there'll be some other things we can talk about, too, perhaps the money game at some point as well. Now, that's a funny one, yeah. Yeah, it's a very addictive one too. <laughs> yeah. So let's maybe start with a little bit of background about you, because I know you're a researcher. That would probably be a good lead-in then to the the um, the black goo and so on. Yes, yes. Um, I'm um, a public person since 2012. Mm-hmm. Kind of the first things I, I brought out that caught a little bit wider uh, attention was uh, an essay called "The Chemistry in Contrails." Okay. trying to put an end to these endless and useless discussions, whether this is a chemtrail or a contrail. So I just said, okay, I don't care about the words. I want to know what's in there. So yeah. I spent a year with environmental monitoring, finding out what is in there, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and what is in there actually was a list of ingredients for transhumanistic technologies. Mm-hmm. So this was kind of my entry into the rabbit hole, into the fringe area, into the things that are supposed to be conspiracy theories that still happen to be very real on the material plane. Mm -hmm. And following that 
path down the rabbit hole brought me from chemtrailing to transhumanism, from transhumanism to black magic, from mm -hmm. black magic to, let's say, a bioenergetic understanding of human history and duality as mm -hmm. a biophysical concept. What is it? And all the way down, I always focused on the healing aspect of things. How yeah. can we, if we discover a damage or a um, change that was done with the humanity to the worse, how can we fix that? Not for others, but within ourselves, by ourselves as a process of self-healing. So that mm. is the main focus in the last years. Okay. All right. That, that's interesting. And on the subject of the transhumanism, maybe we could start with that because I'm very interested. And mm. it, it's something that I think many people have not really got a, a comprehension of how deep it goes and what's really involved. Um, yeah, understandable. that because we we... We are in contact with all the details of that game, but we got the details in a very weird order mm -hmm. without then the early parts, without an understanding that we are actually already in the middle of that agenda. Yeah. So looking from, from the normal understanding of things, transhumanism is the attempt to morph AI with the human consciousness. They say they want to extend the human mind and make it better kind of having 24-7 online access to Google uh, just by using your own mind. This is kind of the, the nice promise, but as yeah. everything that came, comes from Satan, uh, the promise comes with a trap. And the backside is if we morph with AI, AI gets access on us. Yes. And the question who is writing whom, who is administrating whom is an open question. And if you really look into the scientific papers of transhumanism, it's all about reading out and writing in. So it's not about giving the mind access to AI and databases. It's about giving a computer program access to the human consciousness mm -hmm. to be able to take it over. This is what all the scientific, hardcore scientific papers are about. Mm -hmm. So whatever is in the public domain promising the opposite is just the, the trap. Yeah. And reality looks different. And when it comes to, to really understanding how that works, it's always about read-write units like a record player or tape recorder. If you mm -hmm. have a technical device that reads signals mm -hmm. uh, and then records them on whatever type of hard drive, in this case, it's, it's uh, digital. Yeah. Uh, you can utilize the reading mechanism to reverse the signal to write. Mm -hmm. And it sounds exactly the same. So we do not need to understand much about human consciousness. If we can read it out and record the signal and use mm -hmm. the same technology we use to read, to mm -hmm. write as well, we can mm. simulate every experience of consciousness mm. um, by external control. This is the core mechanism. And, and there are a number of different technologies addressing different parts of human consciousness. There are the neuronal nanobots that read out the signals from the nervous system by basically introducing artificial neural knots into the brain. 
-hmm. that have a tiny piezo crystal in the core that sends out signals and receives signals, transforms them into electricity, and then the signal is read and written. And we have uh, all the technologies based on quantum dot dyes, which mm -hmm. are chemicals that upconvert microwave radiation to single photon emissions and single photon emissions back to microwave, mm -hmm. which is the interface between microwave signals, technical signals, and the entire biophoton process within the human body, which is the, let's say, the nonlinear part of consciousness. The, the nervous system is very much connected to the mental field, which is binary, because binary is electri electrically plus and minus. This mm -hmm. is how the nervous system connects to consciousness. And we need that cross-cut within the consciousness uh, to perceive. This is why we have that binary part of uh, consciousness right. as well, that we experience as our mental body, as the ability to think. Mm -hmm. But uh, big parts of consciousness are nonlinear, trinary, or of higher symmetry. So this is the entire emotional body. Heart consciousness is mm -hmm. the most complex one of all. And they run on different colors. The mental runs on blue colors. But, mm -hmm. for example, the sexual part and the anger is running on red and orange. Mm -hmm. So if we want to read and write, for example, anger, we need something that transforms a microwave into orange single photon emissions. Right. And the other way around, back to read out. Yeah. So, so there is this long list of quantum dot dyes of different colors, and they mm. are in the food chain, and they self-assemble in the mycelium of a fungus that grows in the human body. And this is like all the transhumanistic technologies work. They are so tiny that they self-assemble like biology self-assembles. Right. On a certain scale, nature has a very easy way to find orders. And the same slot that biology is using to assemble bodies of high complexity, those technologies do the same, just that they're not biological or mm -hmm. not completely biological, partly. Okay. So, so this, is kind, this is kind of the, the uh, part to be seen in the human body. And on the receiving and sending end of that line, we do have things called uh, sentient world simulation. Mm -hmm. which is uh, large computer programs running in the intelligence community where every single human has a, some sort of avatar with self-learning algorithms that continuously tries to predict the next steps. So there's 24-7 mm -hmm. surveillance on mm -hmm. what we do, what we talk, what we say, everything. Mm -hmm. uh, data coming in from mobile phones, from your internet activity, um, from whatever, from 5G is a 24-7 monitoring, reading out your consciousness with the transhumanistic technologies. Mm -hmm. So they have your emotions, they have your thought. So your avatar in that computer program is 24-7 trying to mimic you mm -hmm. to make precise predictions of your next step. And if he's correct the algorithm gets a good mark. And if it's not correct, then the algorithm is rewriting itself. So it's a self-learning learning program that becomes more and more you. 
Wow. In higher and higher perfection. And when it's working perfect, then the signal can be reversed because mm -hmm. it exactly knows what trigger needs to be set to control your behavior. So it's matched perfectly is, then. Yeah. The problem is this only works with traumatized individuals because tra traumatized individuals 24-7 run on personalities, not mm. on heart consciousness. And the personalities are solely mental. Mm -hmm. And the mental field is linear and therefore predictable, gotcha. while the emotional fields and the heart consciousness is nonlinear and unpredictable. So the, those programs have a ha really hard time with uh, spirits who are still connected to the divine through the heart and their emotional body because they are simply not predictable. And this is where all the, the targeted individuals come from. Right. It's just the desperate attempt by this system to somehow traumatize people, to push mm -hmm. their behavior into the predictable Right. Uh, uh, condition. Yes. So this is a short story of transhumanism, what it's about and how it functions and what it's leading to, which actually is a species of biorobots. Yes. We'll be back after a quick break. Welcome to the Alchemy of Natural Healing. I'm your host, Laurel Dewey. True healing is an alchemical process, meaning it must transform you on all levels, body, mind, and spirit. What affects one affects all three. True healing is one of the hardest journeys you'll ever travel, but it's one of the most rewarding and fulfilling when you get to meet yourself for the first time. If you're ready to take that journey, let's get started. Yeah, that makes sense. And it also sounds like it's a lot further on in terms of the the assessing and gathering of data than I think people realize. Yeah, yeah. And it's all in the public domain. You can, maybe not everything on Google, but if you use alternative search engines, you find everything. It's all laid out. All the scientific research is public domain. You can read it. Sometimes you need to pay a couple of dollars to access a full paper, but actually everything is in the open. Mm -hmm. um, but it doesn't get much public awareness because it's highly evolved science and hardly anyone can read and understand those papers. Yes. So it's self-hiding in a way. Yeah, that and makes it sense. Really Need someone who, who invests a big portion of his life to, to bring some sense into what's obvious, to turn it into a story that can be communicated in a couple of minutes. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate you doing that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because I, I haven't looked at a lot of the papers, but the ones I've looked at, and I'm, I'm pretty, I can figure things out. And I was like, oh, this is complex, very complex. And yeah. it's going to go past so many yeah. people and it was going past me in places. Yeah, yeah. What I did at times was kind of taking those papers. I just knew I need to find my way through that, yeah. and I kept rereading them yeah. until they made sense. So yeah. every new attempt to read through something, you understand 
a few more words tr start to make sense and then you slowly slowly fumble yourself into the scientific language and sometimes you realize okay i should look that word up <clears throat> able yeah. to make sense out of it and it's you do not need maybe you need uh, four years of university study or you take three weeks of desperate reading <laughs> to be able to understand what's in the paper you, you couldn't yeah. reproduce the science but it brings you to a level yeah. where you can read it and make sense out of it it yeah. goes quite quite quick with an open mind and of course it's uh, well, that, that's, that's the key harold that that's the key because you've got to you've got to switch off in my experience everything because everything is a program designed to keep you from the truth yeah yeah interesting that'll be quite a mind map i'm gonna to have to make of that i think yeah 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 many things need huge mind maps those days uh, yeah, I have I have books full of them and computer programs, which they're too big to go on pieces of paper now, but they, they're useful because they connect to other ones as well because it's the only way I can make sense of stuff because of the complexity of it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that was kind of the the things we can observe from what we think we are in at the moment. Mm -hmm. Species that developed computer technology that brought computer technology to a state of, a, of the art that brings in those possibilities. Mm -hmm. um, if I really search for the truth and go a little bit deeper into the origins of computing, into the origins of transhumanism, mm -hmm. things look completely different. Then I can discover that this all roots in the dark arts mm -hmm. that satanism is yeah. the root of that type of technology and and that connection is everywhere if you follow the money this is what you get if you follow the corporate structures this is where it leads to it all leads back to those families those bloodlines that are involved in the dark arts mm -hmm. founding institutes that develop those things founding yeah. intelligence communities that use those technologies of the entire uh, social science for example mm -hmm. this is dark arts founded by the tavistock institute tavistock invented <clears throat> the term propaganda mm -hmm. they didn't <laughs> they just invented the methods they invented the term they brought this into the world to be able to ignite world war one that was right. in the interest of the dark community, those who wanted to have bloodshed on this planet. So, so this is where it all leads to. And then it, um, um, the, In, on 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 other on on other levels, there are also connections. For example, looking into the um, transhumanistic technology that is transforming microwave into biophotons. Mm -hmm. If you look into the internal papers of NASA, you find co-opted insects yeah. as one tool that is involved in this technology. Okay. They don't define that. It's just a, uh, um, a presentation that leaked at a certain point. It wasn't supposed to end up in public, but uh, uh, somebody. Isn't it funny just... how they can't keep the truth hidden forever? 
Yeah, yeah. It's universe has its own type of humor. So, <laughs> so um, when you have those people that suffer from those technology because they have overgrowth of it in the body and end up as Morgellon patients, yes. they have an internal perception of insects crawling through their body. So you have in NASA paper co-opted insects, the patients who have those technologies in them mm -hmm. have a clairvoyant perception of insects crawling around all through their body all over the place. Mm -hmm. So something seems to be there. And if you take the paintings, those patients produce when they try to visualize what they see internally. You end up with 100% precise portraits of Yabulong, yeah. the god of Freemasonry. Yes. Yeah. And this is kind of a triangle. When you have triangles, there's no space for coincidences. No. Then you are on completely secure terrain to say, yes, this is what we have. We have yeah. the dark arts, developing technologies that have a spiritual component mm -hmm. that is demonic. And then all the ancient perceptions of demons can be seen in a completely different light because today we come into the uh, uh, situation and the ability to bioenergetically, scientifically describe how demons are produced mm -hmm. because those technologies do that mm -hmm. and how they function and what they are. It's a new, completely new area of science to actually grab the dark realm scientifically and say, this is all stupid bioenergetics. And what we're dealing with is not some spiritual thing because spirituality is all just science. Just that science is not evolved enough to really understand what's happening over there. But it, we came to that point. Mm -hmm. It's possible to, to la lab create a demon Okay. We understand today how this is done. Mm -hmm. And also when, when we then, this is kind of the next step to take a look into the origin, origin of the dark arts. Um, all we need to do to get there is understand how planetary collective consciousness functions. And this is because you mentioned uh, as one topic to talk about black goo. Black goo is the substance that carries the living spirit of a planetary sphere. that mm -hmm. is carrying the instincts. But at the same time, it is also an entity living in it. So it's consciousness we can communicate with in language. that right. has a signature of an entity. So if we go to Paganism and talk to Gaia, this actually is possible. She's got a voice mm -hmm. and she answers in language, in all languages of the world, because it's the collective mm -hmm. expressing itself through her. So um, when we acknowledge this reality, because scientifically there's no way around that, mm -hmm. the substance black goo that carries this consciousness can be found on the planet. It's the mm -hmm. filling of the ley lines, and whenever a ley, ley line gets cut off um, and comes out of the ground somewhere, we find this liquid, and it is conscious. We can communicate with it. Um, this is all over the planet, mm -hmm. and it cannot be denied as a reality because we can see it and we can touch it. This is simple science. 
It's not mainstream mm-hmm. science, but it is scientifically uh, understandable what the substance is and how it's coming into existence. We even produced it in the lab, so we know the the more complex physics behind how this substance is coming into reality. It's a higher dimensional process. So you started with water, then transmuted it upwards, I guess. It's 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 actually it's produced in a, in a very simple setup, which is carbon dioxide saturated water, saturated with minerals as well, that comes from inside the planet and is going through pipes. And when mm-hmm. you have a, a like a Venturi nozzle when the pipes are closing a bit and then reopening again, you get cavitation fields in the pressure release behind that nozzle. That sounds like some of Schauberger's work. Yeah, yeah. Schauberger was the first one to describe the transmutation of carbon dioxide saturated water into oil phases. So this is how crude oil is produced. And if you prolong that transmutation process, happening in the, those cavitation fields. Mm-hmm. It goes up to higher elements. It goes to silica, it goes to gold, and then it's producing those, those types of M-state matter that are actually the ones who um, connect through the higher realms and allow a planetary spirit to incarnate. And, right. Uh, this is kind of the description I can give. It's That's um, it sounds like then it's it's almost like intelligent blood, if you will. Yes, yes, yes. Right. Um so so this is what we observe on Earth. And then the interesting part is when we look at the origin of the black magic traditions, mm-hmm. what we always in every single case find is that the at the very beginning there's some sort of tribe living somewhere coming across a meteorite crash site mm-hmm. where a black stone fell from the heavens or from the skies and people start to communicate telepathically with the stone. And the stone always does the same stupid thing. He demands fire and blood sacrifice. That sounds like Christianity. <laughs> yeah, every every single, whether you go into, into the Central American high cultures, mm-hmm. they slaughtered humans on the tips of the pyramids, or you go yeah. to the Abrahamic religion, it was all about blood sacrifice, or mm-hmm. wherever you go, and it's always connected to those stones, mm-hmm. and the telepathic connection to those stones. And um, when you know how these stones are what they contain when you you can extract the black liquid and the biophysics of that black liquid is close to identical to earth type black goo, just that the signature of the spirit living in it is completely different. If you talk Mm -hmm. to Gaia, she's very straightforward, very strict, but extremely loving. She's like a mother that is in deep sorrow and care for her children. Mm -hmm. This is, just her signature. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's not that funny, actually. At least not with humans at the moment. <laughs> I wonder and why. <laughs> I, I don't. Um, um, but she's loving, definitely. And when, yeah. when you go into telepathic contact with this meteorite material, all your instincts completely go cold and cruel and aggressive. Those and are the highly sensations I get 
I, I get certainly the cold and it feels awful when I go into the big churches and cathedrals. Yes, yes. This is because of the, the church and the cathedral is a resonant body yeah. built according to certain geometries, yeah. and those stones are inbuilt into the altar. All the right. Catholic churches of Europe yeah. have those meteorite materials implanted as a seed of consciousness into the church. This is why you have this sensation of, uh, don't even know the English word, um, um, it's like like more being afraid of God than feeling mm -hmm. his love. Yeah. This is what catches people when they go. It's cold and it makes you <sighs> shiver in a certain way. And when I had my first contact really with the meteorite material and extracted black goo from meteorite material, I could literally feel my heart chakra die off in a split of a second. I grew cold. I had a fight with a hotel manager that disliked something I did. And I just saw myself getting close to killing this woman. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I simply was not myself anymore. Mm. So, so, and I, I know that, that the um, SS research, the Third Reich scientific research, was dealing a lot with those materials and had built their cult around it. So for me, it was no, no miracle anymore that uh, those people moved through Europe the way they did because they had experienced exactly the same takeover by satanic consciousness mm -hmm. as I did when I first got in contact with those stones. So I, I needed to find a way to cure myself from that. And this is actually how I came across Gaia as the... Mm -hmm opposite consciousness. So what we learn here, that Satan is a traumatized planetary consciousness that came here by a meteorite swarm. This is like that easy reality becomes. There's no mythological, religious spookiness anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's all plain science. We can understand how planetary spheres function how collective consciousness, consciousness fields function. And Satan is one, and he's like an attaching spirit. If a human dies and doesn't go into the light, and he decides to take over the neighbor instead. Mm -hmm. This is what Satan did with Gaia, conquering a planet that is not his, that he's not supposed to be incarnated in. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, it's not the only planet he took. It's more like in, in Star Trek with a Borg. Yes. He's homeless and he's maneuvering th through space by taking over a planet, um, killing off the biosphere, uh, enslaving the developed civilizations into the state of becoming bio-robots, putting mm -hmm. them on space fleets, sending them out to open space to carry transhumanism and nanotechnology and Satanism to the next planet to be taken over. Okay. And the problem is that it just creates a huge army in open space because of the planets that are left behind. All actually, now we come to the spiritual component, uh, they restage the original traumatizing event yeah. that brought Satan into the sad state he is today. Mm -hmm. 
Well, that would be just like, the complete destruction of the planet then. Yeah, th this is where it started on his planet. Mm -hmm. It started, and since then, like every evil is just a desperate attempt to restage the traumatizing event. Okay. You oh, know, this is where. This is this is where where the the love based perception comes back in, you know. When when you talk about evil and are indoctrinized by the church, it's all spooky and don't touch that. Mm -hmm. When you really experience what evil is, with an unconditional loving heart, and from the perspective of unity consciousness, evil is this desperate attempt to restage a trauma to be able to reconnect to the part of the soul that got lost. There's nothing bad about it. The, the result is traumatizing and painful because it needs that pain to reconnect. Mm -hmm. But the, the motive in it, the reason why things are happening that way, it is all about healing. Finding the trauma and creating a situation that is painful enough to manage that transit from being traumatized to being the one who actually relives the tra traumatic event mm -hmm. and reconnects to the moment where soul aspects got lost. Mm -hmm. And because Satan is a collective consciousness, he needs a species that does this service of. Mm -hmm connecting him to the traumatic event. And I'm, I'm in good hope that actually humanity is the species that will mm -hmm. put an end to his endless uh, line of conquering planet after planet and just multiplying the trauma instead of solving it because mm -hmm. we have the potential to solve it with him as a species. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. this is what we are made for actually that makes a lot of sense yeah we, we we certainly i believe have that capacity and that ties in in my meditations that it's funny i was talking to a friend of mine i said i don't know how to give words to it there's something very dark and heavy but it's desperate to be healed and i don't know how to heal it or what it is but i can feel it yes yes yeah <clears throat> hmm. but it's difficult He's in the state of a psychopath. He's just reduced to his mental aspect. And everything is kind of logic because of the emotional uh, back end of what he's doing is not visible from his perspective. Mm -hmm. He goes with sentences like, I am all and all is mine. How can you contradict something like that? Because it's exactly what he's experiencing. Nothing is capable of resisting his charm. So all is his. Mm. And uh, it's, it's not that easy. And on the other hand, he's just running on his mental field. So he's very good in predictive uh, reasoning. Mm -hmm. And when we manage to stay heart-based, like uh, the sentient world simulation cannot predict the next move of the heart-based person. Yeah. Um, Satan cannot handle and deal people who live a heart-based life mm -hmm. because we are in that 
condition, we are unpredictable. As we should be. Yeah. yeah this is our nature. Mm -hmm. So what? how would you advise people to be? Because I keep saying to people, you've got to get out of your mind and reconnect with nature and drop back into your heart and stay away from being in your mind all the time because that's where the traps are. It's, uh, it's a, a big field that could be covered with answers on that. I think the most important thing is to realize that day consciousness is the sum of identifications. And what I really, really, really love to see when people do that is discover the place in the heart where they can decide what to identify with. Because this is the step back into the true self, mm -hmm. exactly this. So when I manage to, for the moment, just for the moment, for the, for the beginning, it's enough to be just in that moment of identifying in the heart and then observing yourself, realizing how many voluntary identifications are also present. But by observing them, you automatically de-identify to a degree where you can make a conscious decision to stop the identification. So if I observe my emotional body, if I observe my feelings, I am already not my feelings because if I would be my feeling, I wouldn't be able to observe it. If I observe my thinking or a certain aspect of my thinking uh, that happens independently of me in my head, mm -hmm. I need to realize this is happening in me, but it is not me because if it would be me, I wouldn't be able to observe it. Mm -hmm. So we come to the point where the only real me is the observer. Mm -hmm. And then we are back in the divine, in the state we actually are made for. And then we can consciously, from that observing position, de-identify from everything else. Mm -hmm. And this is a long list because uh, um, this is the game between Gaia and Satan conquering our souls is the question how can you trick humans into identifying things that they are not and the, it's it's really a long list it starts with the obvious which is uh, demonic entities that move into the bioenergetics and offer their services and you identify with them which mm -hmm. means identifying is that you are the demon at the same time the demon is you mm -hmm overlaying, overlapping bioenergetic fields used by two consciousness, the human one and the demonic one. Mm -hmm. um, this is kind of the obvious. Then you have things like the voice that is created at the end of the eye nerves because we learned to read and write. The <laughs> eyes are there to see, not to hear. But yep. if you read, you force your eyes to hear, yes. which is producing a voice somewhere here in the frontal cortex that is a completely artificial structure. And uh, when you look into the structure of language, especially the religious aspects of language, you realize, yeah. wow, this is a programming code. Particularly English. Yeah, yeah. 
English very much. The original one was a Hebrew, mm -hmm. um, where you still have it very obviously that it is a programming code. And, and then you have a voice in your head that is not you, but just the production of the process of reading. And what you read, mostly in the religious context, is programming code. And then you wonder why people behave in completely um, absurd ways, following their religions, not being able to do anything other. Um, so, so, and this all works with the identification. The moment you de-identify, you still will have that voice in your head for like half a year or three quarters of a year. But not being identified with it completely takes away the power of that voice. Yeah. And then also it stops making sense what the voice is chatting along. Mm -hmm. It's getting less and less content until it's just empty words that don't make sense at all. And then it gives up and dies off. Would that also be then the interface for the demonic overlay that you were talking about of the, the other consciousness, if you will, because it has to come that way in. And when you start to downregulate that, unless and work more from down here, it might have much less effect on you. Is that not right? It's very, very complex. Um, what all humans have or had in were the two snakes, the ones from Adam and Eve in the garden. Mm -hmm. They are two archons that are have been in every human from birth on. And especially the female snake that's was sitting with a head in the neck and then mm -hmm. having those tentacles controlling all the sensitive points in the brain area. This snake very much overlaid the perception of that voice created by reading. So they are kind of in tune with each other, work mm -hmm. with the two phenomena are very strongly interlinked. But today it's, it's possible to remove the snake. It's just a decision de-identify from your snake and once you're de-identified it's cut off from the energy supply and either it just moves out after a while or it's getting so weak that you can just pull it by decision and then so many manipulated aspects of the consciousness fall back into the normal bioenergetic pattern mm -hmm. like clairvoyance with a snake clairvoyance is limited to seeing and understanding when the snake is gone the third eye the pineal gland connects to the heart chakra and you feel the truth with your heart mm -hmm. it's a completely different way of perceiving things um, having it limited to the mental is poor mm -hmm. it's not wrong but it's poor if you have the direct comparison mm -hmm. Um, so you should be feeling your way through everything rather than thinking your way through things. This is our full potential. It has to do with rotational symmetries. If you look at the um, Indian or Vedic system of chakra mandalas, every mm -hmm. chakra has a color, which mm -hmm. is the color of the biophoton attached. The only difference where it's not accurate at the moment is most of the heart chakras of humans are red at the moment because they mistake sexuality for love. They should be green. 
should be green. The evolved heart chakra is green. Then it's also like displayed in the Vedic mm -hmm. system. But what it also shows is those mandalas that have a rotational symmetry. Mm -hmm. And it's very logical why it is exactly that symmetry, because the heart chakra has a 12 star. And the mental is a two star. Mm -hmm. And the emotional are three stars and six stars. Mm -hmm. And the instinct is a four star. Now the four and the six and the two and the three, they all fit into the 12. Mm -hmm. You can display the mantle within heart consciousness. You mm -hmm. can display and feel the emotional aspects within heart consciousness. So the heart mm -hmm. consciousness has the capability to integrate all symmetries and perceive them as one coherent field. Mm -hmm. This is why when heart-based, there's no contradiction between thought and emotion. It's impossible because within heart consciousness, those symmetries are in harmony with each other. Mm -hmm. If I try to fit a two-star into a three-star kind of understanding emotions with my mental field, with my reasoning, Mm -hmm. I can just produce some sort of mental representation of the emotion. I can give it a name and refer to it, but mm -hmm. I can never understand it with it. Mm -hmm. We cannot understand the feeling. Yes. It's not going into each other. We can yeah. name it and that's it, full stop. So um, this is the power of the heart consciousness, that it can integrate everything into yeah. one consciousness and then be without any contradiction yeah what you were saying before about it being red then that would tie in in my mind anyway or my my perception of the, of the hyper sexualization of everything and the big push towards sexualization of all the media pornography everything to keep that to keep that evolving and going and building yeah this is the reason behind it yeah right very interesting very interesting. Is there anything yeah. else you want to add to that? Or would you like to talk about maybe the money game? Um, yeah, I just, I just wanted to, to share from, from my experience, it sounds really bad. We're fucked up, but we have the capacity to fix it. Mm -hmm. The, the, the core Mechanism is self-healing. Nobody can do it for somebody else. Right. But consciousness has the capacity to transform itself by decision mm -hmm. when it's heart-based. Because everything is in the 12, I can fix from the heart, I can fix every single aspect that is messed with mm -hmm. from the heart. And there are protocols for everything, how to do it. So whoever is interested in self-healing it's a journey. You shouldn't go too quick because the biochemistry needs to follow up and there's mm -hmm. a lot of detoxing involved. But um, normally I would say in, in two to three years, a human can go back to his original healthy state and smell like a wolf and listen like <laughs> an owl. and See like uh, an eagle see like an eagle and be 
all-knowing like souls, because this is what we have in us. It is reversible. Mm -hmm. Plus, we take this huge benefit of having experienced darkness, which is giving us a lot of wisdom that can't be achieved in a different way. Mm -hmm. So you said, you said there are protocols. Is there somewhere that you can point someone towards a methodology, or is it something we have to discover for ourselves? Um, every every single human is unique in his storyline history uh, setup of tasks he came here to learn them and uh, so there's they're not two stories alike but still the basic mechanisms are very similar so there are protocols and the the most generalized one i would like to point to is the divine light ignite meditation cycle published on zingdad.com this is the straight path to unity consciousness would you email and, me a link to that when we finish yeah i can do Thank that um my my personal journey is very much related to the black magic realm and tradition for personal reasons, because this is what I needed to heal in myself. Mm -hmm. I had incarnations and bloodlines and I did all those things that come to light today. So my personal path is very much uh, um, soaked with all the damages done when people go through those dark possibilities. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not that representative and generalized like, like the one on, on the Zingdat mm -hmm. page. Um, but in certain point, it might go deeper. I don't know, like as deep as it needed to go for me. So, so on my webpage, it's aquarius minus technologies.de. I can email that as well. Thank you. There's um, basically a summary of all the damages I found in myself and the protocols, how to fix them. Mm -hmm. It's called uh, the seven keys to the friendly takeover of the planet by humanity, something in that line. Um, in the publication area. It's translated into quite a few languages by now. Mm -hmm. So this is my more my personal journey in the order I discovered the things that went wrong mm -hmm. and the ways I found for myself to fix it again. Mm -hmm. it, so it, all of those, this is about healing. Our entire experience here is about healing. Yeah. It's it's yeah, it's it's about losing ourselves into separation and mm -hmm. then finding the path back to unity. So this is the loop. And mm -hmm. the, the way back, this is kind of the exciting uh, part when we harvest, when we harvest our experience, our wisdom, our development. The way down is rather a bit embarrassing when we lose it more and more. <laughs> <laughs> when we refuse to feel and then make one mistake after another and feel less and feel less and get more and more traumatized to the point so you, where there is this spark of, I want to go home. You know? That's right. Yeah. And how the fuck did I end up yeah. here? Yeah. Yeah. There's beauty in that 
turning point when um, actually the realization that the initial fall from grace is the deepest pain and we have the possibility to revisit that deepest pain mm -hmm. of the fall from grace as emotional memory and then all the worldly pain we need to acknowledge and go through to heal our own traumas comparably it's small mm -hmm. and once we acknowledge the the core pain of having fallen from grace acknowledging the the pain of separation from source voluntarily then everything else is easy and as long as we don't go down to that core pain everything else seems like something that is too painful to go to Mm -hmm. And this is driving us further away into separation. And then we basically voluntarily take the entire uh, road back to the initial event of separation. And when, we, when the despair is big enough that we can take on the memory of that moment, mm -hmm. this is the plot point, the turning point. When, and then afterwards, we just experience love, and love is the force that brings us back home. Mm. So this is my, my experience, and I've seen it actually being quite similar in many others. That mm -hmm. it needs that turning point. And as long as somebody is not through that turning point, there is nothing we can do about it to help people out. They will always choose to not feel when feeling is painful yeah that's an that's an interesting thing that that's similar in my life because for years i didn't feel and everything started to turn around when i did step into that but it was i wouldn't want to go through it again but i'm glad i went through it mm. i can feel your emotional yeah. memory yeah. interesting Yeah. And this is one aspect that is also very important to keep in mind. It's not only about self-healing. It is also about healing compassion. Mm -hmm. Because what makes us destroy this plane is the lack of compassion. We couldn't destroy the planet the way we do if we would feel everything as if it is ourselves. So when I cause pain to somebody and I'm in compassion, this is securing me from cre creating havoc because mm -hmm. when it's as painful for me as for the other, how can I do it then? I can't. Yeah. So it's an important step to regain compassion. And I've seen people who took that step kind of in one step and suddenly, due to whatever incidents, coincidence, um, recovered their ability to be in compassion. And then, you know, whatever, a truckload with pigs on the way to the slaughterhouse is driving across them, and they get hit by the collective pain and fear of those animals. Um, once you commit yourself to being open for compassion, Mm -hmm. uh, this is hell and we are the devils yeah and 
acknowledging that takes quite a bit. We, we turned for everything that is still compassionate and still feeling, we turned this place into hell. Mm-hmm. And we can just stop doing that when we accept feeling it again, what we did. Yeah. So that is part of the path into unity consciousness to regain compassion, unconditional, mm-hmm. unconditional love and unconditional compassion. Yeah. And now let's talk about money. (laughs) (laughs) We need something funny because this is so obscure. Um, And it comes with easy solutions and beautiful solutions. Sure. Um, Thank you for that, by the way. That was very, I felt that all the way through. That was beautiful. Um, My favorite is the story about the scientists who wanted to find out if apes are intelligent enough to use money. (laughs) Or stupid enough. (laughs) Uh, They were stupid enough and intelligent enough. So they accepted the coins, took three weeks. Uh-huh. And then the girls did it for cash. And the boys <laughs> started <themselves>. to, <laughs> yes. And the boys started to steal, betray, violate each other, rob coins. And then the scientist says, okay, this was apparently a very bad idea because the social order is in dire straits and this mm-hmm. tribe of apes is going to completely self-destroy if we don't stop this experiment immediately. Of course, they wanted to take the coins back from them. Big mistake. Not letting go from it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so this is what happened to us. It's very easy. It's a gaming addiction that went subconscious mm-hmm. completely. And if you ask anyone, I can't imagine a life without money. It would be injustice. <laughs> um, when I think, okay, we have like uh, 2% of humanity owning 50% of everything. Yeah. Um, how injustice can it get, you know, like uh, this is the, the, the pure manifestation of injustice, yeah. the distribution of wealth we have. So what are we afraid of when we drop the concept? The only thing happening then is that nobody owns anything. Yeah. And we're all equal again. Yeah. And we will all judge each other by the qualities of our deeds, by what we have to share. And we will find out about ourselves if we do have things to share and if we share it freely or not. You know, it's like like, like with everything, we, we have those two levels of reality. We have the cosmic law, where we have the law of karma, that everything we send out comes back to us to teach us the lesson we need. Yeah. And... We have the law of abundance that when we give, the universe is mirroring us this abundance and we get everything we need in return, tripled. It's always tripled according to the law of abundance. It's always tripled. So when we rely on those laws, 
we just swim in that truth and reality and the cosmos around us behaves that way. But if we should decide to replace the law of karma by a legal system and the uh, law of attraction by a monetary system to control things, we throw away two thirds because it doesn't triple. The opposite, we do have inflation and we lose wealth yeah. over time. Yeah. Or we can be trapped with the interest rates to and, and, and things that double and triple our wealth. But it doesn't work because whatever we earn needs to be taken away from somebody else. Right. So it yeah. doesn't work that way. So under the bottom line, it doesn't triple. It's one to one. It's not moving anywhere. So why should we be stupid enough to throw away those extra two-thirds that abundance as a cosmic law is offering us? We're stupid to do that. And at the same time, with a legal system, um, why should we have one in the first place? Karmic law is perfect. It gives us the lessons exactly in the time when we need it. Have when the lesson is actually meaningful and you'll, well, you, and you'll take it in because it's there in the right timing. Yeah, yeah. It's perfect, a perfect system and we replace yeah. it by something that puts us in jail just to be exploited as labor slaves. <laughs> How stupid. Yeah. It's just stupid. And my advice is drop it. Yeah. Just drop it. And this is not kind of... Uh, splitting yourself from the material plane. It is disconnecting, de-identifying you from the mental concepts, which is just a spiritual training. It's a, it's a, take some effort and time. It's not happening overnight. Mm -hmm. I, I've, when I think about the abundance thing, uh, it took me a year. I, I left Germany, I went to a company in Norway, actually as their family slave. I had a room in the basement, I was eating with them at their table. I didn't touch money for an entire, entire year. Mm -hmm. The salary I earned, I sent to my family, I didn't even touch that. So for one year, I was doing whatever I was asked to do for the company. And I did my personal research, and the company was very, very beautifully supporting me with the time I needed and the resources to be able to make this initial research on chemtrailing and transhumanism. Mm -hmm. Without that company, nothing of that would be out there now. Mm -hmm. So it was a very fruitful cooperation and it did not involve the topic money. So I was for one year just isolated from the concept. Mm -hmm. I did what needed to be done. And full stop, I put myself in the position where I could live that way. And afterwards, things never went back to normal. Like when, when I decided to, to move back to Germany, uh, I had zero cash in my pocket. Uh, arrived in Berlin with the last liters of fuel in my tank, like classical situation. And the only thing I did before I left I made personally for myself the decision, I need to read that book, uh, The Sun Thief by Carlos and Louis Farelli in English, because I need to know the content of that book. That was a fixed decision in my heart. I 
somehow got hold of that book. I tried to read it. My English was not good enough. So I said, when I come back home, I need to translate that book for myself. No way around that. Because okay. I need to know the content. That was a heart-based decision. And it was mm -hmm. three days in Germany. I get a phone call from a book editor offering me a translation job. And I ask, uh, well, actually, I need some work. <laughs> and I ask, what book is it you want me to translate? And she says, it's The Sun Thief, written by Cara St. Louis Farelli. Yeah. So the universe accepted my wish to, again, yeah. to just continue doing what I need to do, yeah. what I want to do, what I have to do, because it's on my soul plan. And it just offered me the money for it on top of it. Mm. So for the first half year, I just could live from the, from the uh, um, cash I had offered for that mm -hmm. translation. And it was a good deed. It got published in German. It, it made a big change in the public awareness about cantrailing inside Germany. Mm -hmm. um, actually, after that was out, it stopped this madness of calling people conspiracy theorists yeah uh, the the narrative that there was something highly scientific in that never got questioned after that again mm -hmm. um so this is how it works it's an inner decision and then the universe when you trust yourself not falling for the other bullshit anymore mm -hmm. And you trust the universe to supply you with whatever you need. Yeah. It um, always will. Yeah, it's working perfectly. Interesting. I think one of the other traps with money is that people think that the game that's destroying everything, if you, if you become better at it, you're going to solve all the problems, and that's just not the case. Mm. Yeah. And it's it's funny. I actually I worked on the money topic before I went to Norway, so that was a that was a um, partly a result of the work I did before. We do have a lot of regional currencies in Germany, mm -hmm. like twenty of them. Okay, that was even that. before the electronic ones came to life. It was like uh, deflationary money and shrinking money and whatever, all sorts of concepts that people tested mm -hmm. um, in between a couple of villages or a city or an entire region. So I started seeing the people who invented those currencies. And with all of them, after one year, two years, no matter how successful the starting phase was, mm -hmm. Something went wrong and things delved back into scarcity. And I was just trying to make some sort of intellectual analysis of what is the core thing that goes wrong here. Yeah. Because they had completely different attempts of uh, how to solve the monetary issue. Mm -hmm. Um. And I just was meditating on all those different concepts and the troubles those people had reported to me. And my, 
in meditation, my mind goes, something is completely wrong here. Something in the core of the idea is standing upside down. And the more I meditated on it, the more mathematical my approach got. Mm -hmm. And then at a certain point, I realized this is it. It's the inversion. There's a mm -hmm. minus in the equation that is making everything scarce. Mm -hmm. And I just said, okay, what would happen if we would invert it again? Mm -hmm. Like turning the direction of flow of money into the other direction. Mm -hmm. Let's say I need a haircut. I go to a hairdresser. He invests one hour. And instead of me giving him money that he can spend later, he gives me a note that signals that I received a service from, from, from the collective. Mm -hmm. And now I hold that note and I owe that service to somebody else. Mm -hmm. uh, the first thought aligned with that is if I am very, very busy with helping others, at a certain point, I will not have any cash on my hand to forward anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's not bad. I can afford making a holiday then. Mm -hmm. you know? If I did enough, I did enough. I can continue for free if I want to, mm -hmm. just service for nothing. Mm -hmm. Or if I don't want to, I can afford making a holiday and resting for a while until I gathered enough cash in my pocket that I owe society again. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the other way around, if I'm lazy or sick or stupid, not capable of doing reasonable things, then notes will end up in my wallet. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be a rich man in the debt I have towards society. Mm -hmm. But it's never going to kill me. Yeah. I can't starve because I owe. Yeah. So it's perfect. It doesn't kill anyone. And that was kind of the first thought. And the second thought was when I, once I was on that mathematical plane of visualization and understanding, I realized oh, this needs a source field and a sink. You need something pumping through the system mm -hmm. to make itself organize. So I had the idea to basically, when it's about food, you double the value. So the farmers produce and give more money. Mm -hmm. than actually the labor they invest is worth. Mm -hmm. And social services, when a pupil meets a teacher, it's unproductive work, then two services cancel each other out. So both of them should get rid of a note. Mm -hmm. So I had this idea of producing money with the food, and then with every transaction, you sign one open slot. And after 14 slots, the paper is basically at the end of its lifetime. Mm -hmm. And then it can be used up in social services. So you, you replace in one go, you replace it with uh, uh, um, the monetary system and the, also the political plane, the social services, everything mm -hmm. that actually the state is there to do. So it's a concept that could in one move, you know, uh, erase the monetary system and the state and the hierarchy, which was very yeah. tempting. Um, 
So, so I just published it and I designed the notes. So they're available online, kind of, whoever wants to start. It's decentralized. Two people can start that just among yes. each other. All they need is a printer to print out the notes. Mm-hmm. It's decentralized. It has no control structure involved. It's there. It's beautiful. And when this phase of being completely enth- enthusiastic about my creation was over, the next step was realizing that if people use it for a year maximum, they will get tired of it. And they will stop touching those notes mm-hmm. because they will get used to the natural gesture of giving and receiving again. Mm-hmm. So if it is something, it's just for a transit period. But if you really understand what it is about, you don't even need to touch it. You can basically directly go to the result of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, But as a, as a basically model to reprogram my mind, it was very, very helpful to mm-hmm. understand what's wrong about money. It's really flowing into the wrong direction. Yes. And this is what, it's, it's Babylonian money magic. It's rooted in the dark realm. It's part of the social engineering we were subject to. And this is why it's no surprise, because everything is upside down in the dark realm. Everything mm-hmm. is exactly the opposite of what it seems to be. You know what this is? This is wow. our connection to the divine. <laughs> <laughs> you know what the peace, the peace symbol is? You know what all the peace people... Yeah carry around on demonstrations it's the rune of life standing upside down it's the rune of death (laughs) everything is inverted in the dark well on my website i say in this inverted reality we live in because that's what it's felt like to me for decades that everything is upside down and back to front and the way i find my way through most of this is to do the exact opposite of what we're trained to do and then i find the truth in the sense of it yeah Hmm. Hmm. I can see I'm not going to sleep much tonight. <laughs> <laughs> it's good because I still have to drive home. That's two hours and I shouldn't fall asleep. At least no. not dur- during those two hours. No, you stay awake during those two hours. That's important. <laughs> <laughs> you do like I do, drive with your head hanging out the window in the cold. Yeah, yeah. And singing against the wind this yeah. is the last kick you can give yourself trying to to speed up to 140 and then still sing against the wind while it's pushing the air into your mouth this keeps you awake i, I used to dri- drive trucks when i was studying to finance my university oh, okay all right and i think my longest trip was 18 hours non-stop that's a big drive yeah working as a jumper you know when people got sick I was jumping in, and once they got sick in the company, they all got sick, so I was doing the driving alone. Exaggerating. <laughs> is, is there anything else that you would like to add, or if not, I'm conscious that you have that big drive ahead of you? Um, I think 
we did a round thing for for today should be mm. an hour and something um in that case brother thank you so much for that and if you're open to the idea perhaps we can do some other discussions as and when the timing feels right whenever you want thank you okay that's so wonderful enjoy your evenings to come and i i just i have the feeling it needs something um Maybe a taste from unity consciousness. Okay. Um, when when I started to sort out my mess, mm -hmm. things were extremely heavy or appeared extremely heavy. Yeah. And this heaviness just comes from the unfelt. And from the memory of how heavy it was when we decided to not feel things. Mm -hmm. It's more the, the memory of the heaviness of then than the perception of the actual heaviness now. Because mm -hmm. we evolved, we grew up, we can carry more than we could carry back then. Mm -hmm. So... Um, at the end of the day, when things are accomplished, when compassion is back, when the lower chakras are cleared and we have evolved to unconditionally feeling compassionate beings again, then everything is... without judgment it's it's like a rainbow we have all those different feelings we can go through this is the capacity this is the gift we are designed to have and whatever it is whether it's pain or sadness or joy or whatever um, it is just a gift mm -hmm. and it has its beauty and and when there's no judgment we are like, again, the animal kingdom where there's also no judgment and everything is felt exactly in the intensity um, it is designed to be in. And, and not only that we cut ourselves off from the joy when we cut ourselves off from the uh, more painful aspects of emotional life. Mm -hmm. um, um, there are additional things like like just the joy of being compassionate itself, the joy of feeling connected to others, mm -hmm. independent of what is the content mm -hmm. that we share with them. Um, these are so beautiful gifts. Um, That I don't know how to express it. I, I actually, I, I, whatever, who, whoever I deal with, I can't get enough of reality. Mm -hmm. 
it's it's like getting addicted to something so incredibly beautiful and and really non in a non-judgmental way i don't know if it's okay to share i think so yes yes i i i sometimes i i do uh consulting sessions people ask me for advice for personal development issues and sometimes it's highly evolved yoga type whatever mm -hmm. big time people and uh, a couple of days ago i had a, a drug addict on crystal meth and heroin for years not finding the way out Mm -hmm. And compassion means to be in the craving for the time of that communication. It's mm -hmm. not convenient, but it is just what it is. So if we don't judge, it's just what it is. And um, then we worked ourselves through the necessary solutions and that opened space for hope and joy and um, she was so unique in, in, in picking things up quickly. Mm. If I kind of pointed out to a deception in her life that she just needs to revalue things to be able to step out of a mechanism, picking, picking it up like nothing, making the clear decision, I'm going to change it spot on from now on. I'm not falling into this trap anymore. Mm -hmm. and, and during the talk, the craving disappeared. Like, like a miracle, mm -hmm. just by, by going, addressing the solutions. And the most beautiful thing I've seen in the last weeks, I experienced in the last weeks when we were done and she was in this point of really intense hope for now I've got the tools with me to make it out of this mess. Mm -hmm. um, just could see a spirit. It was so beautiful. It was so delightful, so filigrant, so just beautiful. And I told her, I've got such a beautiful spirit. And her reaction was so cute. Like, like a wave of joy pushing itself through shame, taking mm -hmm. over. Mm -hmm. well, what a gift she gave you. Yes. And so again and again, being judgmental doesn't make sense. You know, because you never know who's hiding where and what's hiding where. So in my experience, Harold, it's usually aspects of myself that someone's very kindly displaying to me in the conversation. Yeah. Also that. So it just can get better when we move. And it's getting worse when we don't. And maybe I, I like that quote because it was the first time I heard source. And I was in heavy resistance against some self-healing steps that appeared to me to be too painful and didn't want to 
put my attention there and look at certain things. And then I suddenly heard that voice in my heart saying, uh, there's only one truth. And if you ignore it, you waste time. That's a good quote. It's <laughs> <laughs> a very good quote. <laughs> this is, yeah, yeah. This is also the, the beauty about the creation that uh, it's all up to us. We are not pressured into any direction. We make our experiences, and if we don't make it today, we waste time. We take our learning curve steep or less steep. If we take it less steep, we waste time. And that's it. That's our right to do, but also the possibility to realize that it's less suffering if we don't waste that time. And at the end of the day, we're all going to go back home. And the only question is, how painful is it getting? Yeah. yeah. How painful does it need to get before we get the turning point? Into now, I, I, I say to people that the um, it, if, if life has a message for you, the messenger keeps coming until you get it. And in the end, it's going to get very loud and very difficult and very painful because it has to get your attention because that's its entire purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is how it works. Okay, so at the end of the day, sheer beauty. So yeah. just to get the heaviness out of the air that is attached to some topics. Yeah, I, I, I think we're, we're, we're headed in somewhere very beautiful. And to me, this is much like when you have a, a big detox and things are very uncomfortable, very painful, everything hurts, you can't find a way out. That is one of the final steps before you start to feel much better. Yeah, there's another quote I liked from the time when I dealt with healing practitioners. Uh, no matter how heavy the problem is, the solution is always funny. <laughs> Good quote. <laughs> okay. Excellent, so, brother. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Yeah, my pleasure. So, see you soon. I look forward to that. If you'll drop me those links when you remember, that would be great. And please travel safe. I will. All right. Take care, Harold. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, mate. Bye-bye.